This is Monsteropolis, a show about legends, anomalies, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Mansky. I'm joined today, continuing the streak, yeah. by my pal, Heather Mosier. Hello. Yeah. How are things? Things are great. Um, I mean, as far as STM goes, we got some pretty exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, word on the street is there's this little uh, shindig being planned little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What can you say about that? <clears throat> what can I, we say about that? It's going to be called Monster Fest. Ooh. STM Monster Fest. Oh my goodness. And it's going to be in June of 2023 in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I did that face because Andy's like, where? And I'm like, I'm you should sorry. know. But I get it. He was trying to direct me here, but I am not an actress. <laughs> So I didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In Canton, Ohio, guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. Canton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Canton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's in our neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've got guests yep. lined up. I don't know if we're yeah, going to we talk can. about that. We can't that. announce any That's guests. Fine. Just want to assure people. <laughs> There will be guests. No, there won't. There'll just be us. You won't even know it. Not even that. Yeah. <laughs> there will be guests. There will be um, the a, crew. yeah, of, of course, the STM crew will be there. DVD player and the films. There will be a, <laughs> there will be a film. <laughs> Hopefully somebody will change them there once in a while. <laughs> ideal. This is like another unfinished business item. Because of the cancellation, the COVID cancellation of Mysteries and Monsters oh, back yeah. in the day, mm-hmm. which was another casualty of the pandemic. So this is fun. This is great to think about. Yeah. You know, it, when we've had screenings, just screenings at the palace, mm-hmm. people have come from all around Yeah. to uh, see the movie and, you know, hang out with the crew and Stay for their Q&A, so this is going to be a multiplication of that. Yeah. Pretty exciting. I don't know if there's going to be a Q&A, though. There's not? No, I don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there probably will be. Why wouldn't there be? Seth It'll loves to talk Q's. in front of people. It's Q and Q. Yeah, you guys can just Ask throw out questions. Ask whatever you want, but <laughs> don't expect an answer. Yeah. Not at this point. Mm-mm. So that's great. Mm. June 2023. Yes. Monster Fest. Yeah. We have begun Sasswet, eating pudding. I don't know. What I don't know what that was. <laughs> I, don't, I was going to hold the microphone. But yeah, Andy and I have engaged in recording Sasswet the Refoot. Yeah. The yeah. And that was I was told about the Refoot. That was a blast. The first couple of episodes um, are really fun. Uh, we're in Alabama. Going through the Sasquatch Nation series, they're first on the list, going alphabetically. Yeah, and I just got word yesterday that one of the people I hope we'd be able to talk to has agreed to come <gasps> on the show what? and talk to us. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Lee Peacock, who is the I, I believe the editor and main reporter for the Evergreen Courant newspaper in Evergreen, Alabama. He's nice. been at the center of a lot of the modern cases and is featured in the film The Town That Loved Bigfoot, hmm. which you can find on YouTube if you are so inclined. And cool it's going to be fun. And hopefully it might be like one thing leads to another. We find other Alabama-based researchers oh, yeah. 
who he has contact <coughs> with. I know he does. So we'll see where that all leads to, but it's going to be a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Are there other cryptids in Alabama other than Bigfoot? That's an excellent question. I would... One of the things that we covered on the show was the fact that there are over 130,000 miles of rivers and streams. Oh, wow. In the state. Okay. Which would lend itself to some sort of water-based cryptid, you would think. That's true. But I don't know that to be 100% true. No, you've heard it here first. Mark Maskey said (laughs) (laughs) there's a water cryptid. There's a river monster. Bammy the Alabama river monster. Yes. We could start things, you know. Uh, we, we know how to do that. So what's going on with lore? I've seen oh. you talking to some interesting folk as of late. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the showrunner and I have been trying to get a bunch recorded um, so that when we have our trip to Alaska here, we're not without content. Mm. Um, so we're trying to get ahead here, but we have, uh, recently, I just talked with Brett Manning artist that'll be coming out in a little bit. Uh, Lady Anne from the caravan, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas White just came out. I don't know when this is coming out, but the Thomas White, um, interview, um, Kevin Paul, who wrote about Green County and PA mm. all the, Andy actually has a shirt with the, yes, with that's the right. title or the cover on yeah. it. Yeah. And um, James Willis, we'll be talking with him here. Oh, fantastic. Right after, uh, coincidentally, right after the Jersey Devil uh, recreation shoot or, or narrative shoot. How do you, dramatic shoot? I don't know. It's, Listen, it's there's the real movie. The real, <laughs> the actors and actresses will be there. Uh-huh. And, yeah, for real. And that'll be next week. That's coming. Wow. So. And the giant animatronic Jersey <laughs> Devil. Yes, yeah, he's coming in on a uh, on a semi, <laughs> mm-hmm. big truck, S- straight from Lucasfilm <laughs> to here. Yep, you know we roll with the big dogs. That's right. Super cool. <laughs> well, a lot going on all the time, uh, yeah. and even more all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it would seem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> keeps coming. Yeah. Yep. For all you right. guys. For you guys. Yeah, that's right. It's all for you. That's right. It's all for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are getting into this week. Is, should we? Is there anything else that we need to cover? Are we ready I to? Think so. I think we're good. Jump right in. Yeah. Well, we're kind of on. Um, what would you say? Like a killer cryptid theme. We're on a really dark path. On a dark path. <laughs> a real dark path. As of late. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're heading into April and life is returning. You have to sort of counterbalance that with some. Right. But it died before. <laughs> yeah. Death before the rebirth. Right. We, yeah. So, yeah. Or make it count your days, yeah. I guess. Right. So on that note, what we're doing is uh, plumbing the depths of a very ancient legend, and that is the legend of the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those stories that has sort of been lurking in the background for some time, as in, you know, we should do a show about that or yeah. or maybe even a project surrounding the Wendigo, but it never yeah. just never materialized. So this is a good opportunity. It was a good opportunity for me to actually do the research on it a little bit to mm-hmm. see what's what are the story strands. Because Wendigo is one of those things that's kind of elusive, not only the the 
the being itself, but mm-hmm. the stories around it and can mean different things depending on the context. So it's yeah. sort of a, a, a challenge to get your arms around the whole thing mm-hmm. initially because of how many um, of the indigenous tribes had Wendigo legends and, you know, slight variations in name, but all talking about essentially the same thing. Yeah. I think it's also pretty pretty easy when you start into the research that like Wendigo and Skinwalker stuff merges almost immediately mm-hmm. when you start diving into this. I mean, they're, they're two separate entities, but it just coincides so easily with some of the characteristics when you get into it. So mm-hmm. to parse that out is extra fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, where should we start with this? Just the, the basics of the figure itself. What is the Wendigo? Um, mm-hmm. What are, what are the basic like physical descriptions that are given? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I think it's just going back to the origination of a Wendigo in general would be that it's someone who has turned because they committed cannibalism in extreme hunger. And then they are not able to satisfy that at any point. Um, It's just insatiable regardless of how much they eat or don't eat. Um, So in that vision, then I think some of the initial thoughts of what a Wendigo would look like is like this, emaciated person like the skin is drawn tight um thin tall some of the original uh native stories that i've read they're almost like giants mm-hmm. um giants like we talked about not like crazy giants right <clears throat> um but now in pop culture if you talk about a wendigo most of them are going to be ones where you see like a deer skull and the antlers almost immediately upon that image in general, people will say, well, that's a Wendigo. Mm -hmm. And so they're still tall, at least in the images that I usually see depicted, they're tall with a deer skull and the antlers, um, very thin. They walk on two legs. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. It's usually attributed to colder climates as well. So I know a couple a year or so ago, there was a a video that went around on Facebook where it was, a, somebody said it might have been a dog man or whatever, but it was in Florida. I remember this. Mm. We actually reviewed it on Paranormal Unexplained. But um, this guy was sitting outside, or this person was sitting outside, smoking a cigarette or something, and they saw something run past very quickly, and it was caught on, on their camera because they already had weird stuff happening. And that was on Facebook Live. And some hmm. people said, oh, that's a Wendigo. But then others argued, well, it can't be a Wendigo. That's in Florida. Hmm. I mean, I guess if the supernatural sticks to geographic locations. But the idea is that the cannibalism started for the Wendigo in a very cold climate where there was no food available. Mm-hmm. So typically northern climates. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's a theme that we'll return to again and again, because mm-hmm. it really is related to that, I think, is this this concept of being in a northern climate. They're often associated with winter mm-hmm. and the scarcity of food mm-hmm. that accompanies that um, season so that then you start to scavenge, you start to get desperate, 
And yeah. it's it, the sort of the terror of the, the Wendigo is related to that feeling that, you know, I'm running out of options as far as mm-hmm. the, the food and the energy that I need just to survive and what might that drive me to. Right. So that is, is behind all of this. What I was, this surprised me, I guess, in digging into the real um, streams of the stories coming out of the First Nations background to this, because it's absolutely locked into that, that there were two categories of Wendigo mm. that I found. One is non, completely non-human. And those in the, in the legendarium existed before humans did. Mm-hmm. So there was like this great war between um, uh, different giants, essentially, and that a few of these survived. Mm-hmm. So that the Wendigos that survived that sort of era are the ones that are causing all the troubles now. And okay. what can happen then is that you can, a human being can become a Wendigo if, in one sense, you're eaten by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then your spirit becomes what we would probably talk about as a demon. Yeah. And then you get into this weird realm of you can haunt the dreams of somebody in that form mm. and and push them towards the activity that would make you as a human being become a Wendigo, which is consuming human flesh right through a, a cannibalistic act mm-hmm. and so it's really it's wild how those two things come together because on one hand it's a completely distinct supernatural being mm-hmm. but you can become one mm-hmm. and there's different ways i mean you can just be in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> get bitten by one and <clears throat> then you slowly begin to morph into a wendigo and you have these cravings that you're trying to beat down for a time. And then, um, you know, all these things sort of take on a life of their own. But in those ancient stories, you're talking about, you know, straight up 30 foot and and bigger giants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, throwing mountains and glaciers at each other in the one story. Yeah, yep. And then uh, if you're a human into a Wendigo, then you're like at the seven or eight foot. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, as you mentioned, they have the appearance that looks very emaciated and skeletal, mm-hmm. sort of an ashy, like dead skin. Yeah. Like zombie-ish, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one thing that there is driving them is a ravenous hunger for human flesh. Yeah. So they're out, to, they're out to get you. They're out to hunt you down. Yes. And I think that's one thing that I saw that really stuck in my mind. Uh, somebody made the uh, just the interpretive comment that a Wendigo symbolizes everything in the wild that you should be afraid of, mm-hmm. which is to say predators that know everything about the outdoors <laughs> far better than humans do. Yeah, and and it's kind of talking about our helplessness. You know, you can't outrun a Wendigo, you can't outwit them. Right, there's no stories really that exist of a human being getting over on a Wendigo. Right, no. They always win. Yeah. So if you encounter one, it's... Game it's over already. Too late, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that I think speaks to the dread and the fear that's behind these stories. Mm-hmm. Like if you reach the point where now you think your your traveling companion looks like <laughs> the only option left, yeah, then you're into Wendigo territory and it's probably too late mm-hmm. for you. Sort of the cautionary element to that. 
Um, there, this this was kind of scary too. They said um, they hunt people with the cultural strategy and intelligence that people use to hunt animals. So it's oh. yeah. So you are actually the hunted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm. I think the what you know multiplies the fear there is the the concept that this is not just an animal. This is mm-hmm. not something in, just instinctively trying to get you. It can plan how to get you yeah, and sort of observe you, find out what your weaknesses are and exploit those. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, yeah, you know, fun. Yeah. Don't there's nobody goes window going in the same way that you <laughs> go big true. Footing. Or you should Yeah, No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. It's not endorsed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and because of how shock, of course the idea of cannibalism in general is something that we're just, gutturally opposed to um there is a wendigo psychosis yeah which and i forget where this was but when i was looking into wendigos a few years ago this story came up where this man was on a bus and started eating pieces of people i can't remember i feel like it was in canada maybe I, i don't remember but um they had to pull the bus over and get him off but he was he was just eating people's ears and faces and stuff. And they that was one of the examples of Wendigo psychosis in mm-hmm. general, just the idea that you would want to eat human flesh. So it's, I mean, it's still in today's vernacular for other, right. other things. Well, and there's an actual case. You were talking about it before we started recording mm-hmm. of um, someone who was essentially caught in the act or admitted to the fact that he ate yeah swift runner his family this yes. was in 1878 there was a trial and execution of him actually he was a cree trapper he admitted to killing and eating his family when food ran out over the winter he said that he was overtaken by the spirit of a wendigo um yeah and i guess that wasn't questioned i mean he killed them so said it was because of a wendigo mm-hmm and, uh, yeah, the, another article that I have, well, this might be the same one, actually, 1878. No, nope, this one's 1897. Out of Kansas. Oh, well, okay, the, the article is in Kansas. It was in Winnipeg. <laughs> um, yeah. A uh, woman was suffering from typhoid fever and became insane, and her husband was fearful that she was being possessed by a Wendigo, so he snapped her neck to stop oh, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was it. That's just a little blurb sure. in the paper in 1897. Just wanted to stop her from becoming a Wendigo because mm-hmm. it could have affected everybody else. Um, yeah. And it serves to show you the extreme seriousness Oh yeah. with which it's taken. That, mm-hmm. you know, um, in cases where people have become full-blown Wendigos, mm-hmm. those can be disposed of, although it's hard. Yeah, the heart it, is ice, right? Mm-hmm. You have to melt the heart. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and along with that, dismember the body and burn it all. Yeah, you know, so, minor things. Yeah, but like the elemental old school Wendigo non-humans, mm-hmm. you, you just can't. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. There's no hunting party to <laughs> get them under your control. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the movie Antlers? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I feel like... 
that would have been so pumped to watch that when it came out. It's kind of slow at first, but I really enjoyed it. And it's obviously a Wendigo, which is why I brought it up. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how they take parts of the myth and then integrate it into it. And Mm -hmm. you get the emaciated look at first, but then of course it is called antlers. So we do get into the full blown um, imagery at the end, but they get into the heart as well. Uh, They, they talk about some of the lore and to kill it, you have to, cut the heart out it's not the ice heart or anything yeah um it's interesting then also how it transfers from one to another it's the the transference of the curse which i'm sure is partly why some of that comes into uh skinwalker territory as well like Mm -hmm. why they overlap sometimes is the transference of a curse because you did or committed some sort of atrocious act like we talked about in ruguru the idea skinwalker colon Hell of Ruger. Yeah. <laughs> um, the transference of the curse because they committed something horrible. Mm-hmm. It's a similar thing with uh, Wendigo. You don't just randomly become a Wendigo while you're right. Yeah, just being your normal self. Yeah. Now I don't know if these story like a story like this exists per se, mm-hmm. but the one thing that you can't do is eat human flesh. Right. So I could imagine you could be tricked into eating it, uh, and like, haha, true. you're a Wendigo now. But um, the thing with the skinwalker is you're intentional. Yeah. Like you're totally intentional. If you are a skinwalker, mm-hmm. you you know it. You're mm-hmm. going into it yeah. to access the ability to shapeshift. Right. And there are certain things you You're gaining you must something do. from it. Right. Whereas I think Wendigo is more tragic in mm-hmm. the sense that you feel pushed to do this completely taboo thing in order yeah. to survive. Yeah. But unless there's some weird thing where, you know, have some stew. Oh, and by the way. This just reminds me of yeah. South Park <laughs> with what Tenement's chili. <laughs> the, they cooked up the boy's parents and put them in his chili. Yeah. Anyway, wow. that's old South Park. <laughs> old school South Park. Stuff. Bringing it back. You know, hey, always in pop culture yeah. stuff. <laughs> so are there any other films that you can think of where Wendigo is is utilized as a like a trope or a character I can't think of films but I'm a huge fan of the show Supernatural oh yeah yeah, um, yeah. for so many reasons large part because of the research they put into it but, but I think it's the first episode of the entire series is a Wendigo if I'm not mistaken and um they only show the figure briefly, like a silhouette of the figure, and it is the emaciated, like, looking. It's not mm-hmm. the antlers. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is that it's so fast mm. that when they start, like, they, they start to go into the case because of, um, like, a video that the the one of the missing hikers or campers sent in the background, you see something run by the tent very quickly. Mm. And when they slowed it down, of course, frame by frame, you can see that it's something moving incredibly fast that even slowing it down frame by frame, it's still speeding across. So that's one of the big things. And also in that, I, yeah, they mimic voices. That's oh, one of yes. the things that they did in mm-hmm. that show. They mimic the voices and mm-hmm. that's how they lure people out um, yeah. away from the safety of their campground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also they were in Supernatural. It was in a, like an abandoned mine. Okay. It was underground. That's where its lair was. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting to me that you said that because it would seem 
that they were influenced at least a little bit. The writers of that show yeah. would have been in, influenced by um, Algernon Blackwood's The Wendigo from 1910, mm. because many of those same elements appear in that story. I, I really, yeah. I highly recommend that. It's in the public domain, so you can just surf the internet and download the story as a PDF if you want to read it. Mm-hmm. It's also been done as a like a audiobook almost, and, and go on a, a podcatcher. And just type in the Wendigo and Algernon Blackwood's the the Wendigo. You'll be able to hear that. There's one called One Thousand and One Short Stories or something. That's mm. that's the one that I listen to. It's really good. Just like minimal sound effects are added here and there because to set the stage because it's all outdoors in Canada. And the small gotcha. hunting parties going out looking for moose. Yeah. And they end up crossing paths with the Wendigo. Mm. And you've got so many of the same things that you mentioned. Everything from running past the tent yeah. to the unintelligent, the language that seems like it, you should be able to understand it, but mm. you can't quite. Mm-hmm. And then the calling of the name to lure you out. Yeah. All of this happens yeah. in, in Blackwood's story. Yeah, and like interesting. The French Canadian guy is the one who gets lured away. Yeah. And then in the, the whole, the most chilling scene of the whole thing, mm-hmm. he comes back, but it's, is it him not, or is it not him? Interesting. It's really, it's freaky. But the thing that Blackwood does is that he changes the Wendigo um, personality to a degree that is a little bit odd. And mm-hmm. I wonder why that is, because there's really no direct connection to cannibalism at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what's implied in Blackwood's story is that the Wendigo eats moss, which is a really weird choice to make but a lot of the other parts of the windigo thing match up Hmm. it's almost as if he uses the windigo as sort of an all-purpose luring scary force yeah yeah yeah, for sure but um but Hmm. even even so doing it's it's very effective story it's not long it's a novella yeah length thing you can read it in like an hour and a half but Hmm. it's really well done and it there's things in there too, and and spoilers or you know buyer beware. It is very much 1910. Oh, okay. So language. Well, yeah, I mean language is a little bit part, but even in the story he mutes that. It's sort of the characterization. I mean, it's a short story, so you're yeah. painting people with broad strokes. Right. And part of that is a Native American cook, who's okay. part of the party. Yeah. Um, he's important though, and his place in the story is oddly appropriate, really, because mm-hmm. he's really not that involved mm-hmm. in what's happening to these non-native people. Right. And it's not implied that he has something to do with it, but yeah. the fact that he's there is important for reasons that we'll talk about in a little bit. So <clears throat> I double-checked the Supernatural thing. It isn't the pilot episode. That one deals with the woman in white. This It's the second episode. But thinking about what you were how you were explaining that mm-hmm. story what happens in that episode is when they go out to find these missing hikers there's someone who works for the park service that is very intent on being with them while they travel out there mm-hmm. and sure enough he's not willing to believe Sam and Dean that it's something bad and so he wanders away when he hears oh, a voice or uh-huh. hears somebody scream or something yeah. he wanders away and then you know what he's not okay you should always listen to Sam and Dean yeah that th- you probably should yeah but um, the idea of the moss as well, I wonder if if that was just a random, like just trying to think of something that wouldn't be as 
horrible or or also the idea of that that's still a living, breathing Mm -hmm. organism. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say that about any plants, but for me, I think moss is really, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. So while I'm thinking of it, I I do want to comment on, you know, something we've been talking about sort of roundabout and that's the appearance of the Wendigo, as far as the horns are concerned. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there's a whole title of the film is Antlers. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's giving the impression that all Wendigos have horns on their heads, but that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, there are Wendigo stories where that is a feature, but right. there are also large portions where it's not. And I just, there's no rhyme or reason to that, really, except to say yeah, I that, found it. yeah, it depends on the just the group that's telling the story. Is but it influenced by time frame as well? Or is are there older a, accounts with antlers? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't mm-hmm. know. I really don't. And I think that's that's part of the issue with with a, a figure like the Wendigo is that it, while it seems to have like one sort of basic origin, mm-hmm. it's not that simple. When you yeah. push it back... As far as you can go, it just depends on the area. Perhaps it depends on the the type of native animals in that area that would right. have influenced. That's true. What the what the creature would have looked like or not, but um, it's not uniform, I guess, in any discernible way. Right. Um, different names for the Wendigo include uh, the Wetchuje, the Widico. The Wittakau, the Wintuck, the Wintico. And I think that just, you know, it just goes to show this essential word is the same describing these things. Yeah. But just like regional dialect today, just in the English language is, mm-hmm. depends where you go. You can be in the same state and yeah. things will have different terms. Mm-hmm. So, But it's all talking about the same sort of, Elemental creature, and I guess that's one thing before we totally leave sort of the media tie-in yeah. type things. Um, you know, what uh, Aldrin, the Blackwood reference is, there's a culture to that too. And the, the thing that some have suggested is that he influenced Lovecraft okay. pretty highly. Because you do, when you read the story, when you listen to it, it is very Lovecraftian in the sense that there's a lot that he doesn't say mm-hmm. about the, the origins. And even in the physical description of the creature itself, yeah. far more is left to your imagination. I mean, there's no point at which in that story he says, he looked like a skeleton or right. he had antlers. <laughs> His right. behaviors are described, uh, but not the actual physical appearance. And that's very much like some of the Lovecraft stories where you never really get a good look at what's down there in the cave or... Mm-hmm. You just know it's bad. Yeah, exactly. Now here's, this is a cool little feature talking about language. And that is uh, the original word, one of the first words to make its way into print to describe the Wendigo mm-hmm. also means the word owl in Algonquin. Mm. And this is a shift that happened over time. There's a whole paper that was written about it uh, that I'm going to send to you yeah. at some point. Because it's very, um, very detailed. But I'll just read the title. It's Owls and Cannibals Revisited Traces of Wendigo Features in Meswaki Texts by Amy Dahlstrom, 
University of Chicago. And the whole thrust of this article, it's like 32 pages, mm -hmm. is that the word for Wendigo, which I can't even begin to try to pronounce correctly, <laughs> yeah. so I won't try to do it, but that that meant what, we're, what we've been talking about thus far, at some point in normal sort of uh, everyday usage, that morphed from Wendigo, the monster, to an all-purpose word for any owl. And so this paper attempts to get at some of the linguistic reasons for why did that shift happen. Mm. And a lot of it has to do, uh, in Dahlstrom's opinion, with the uh, behavior of the owls. Mm -hmm. um, sort of their, they will, in fact, eat their own young if forced to. Or the apparent owl will take the weakest of the owl babies and serve it up for the other ones if there's nothing else to eat. So now you're getting into a owl cannibalism yeah, sort of right. form. And there's also sort of the... Um, the predictive quality to owls that are kind of a cross culture that, you know, if you owl runs into your window, for example, mm -hmm. that's a precursor death. of death. Yeah. Or you hear just an owl call out, you know, in a, in a remote area mm -hmm. that that just brings up sort of an eerie feeling. So the whole thrust of that article was these two words are used for the one word for these two sort of separate distinct beings, but, yeah. The things that they have in common do seem to be on that level of uh, a, a dread of death or some sort of harbinger of, of mm -hmm. doom. And if you s see a Wendigo, you're done for. And then at some point, the owl sort of function in the same way. That you, you just don't want one to be up close to you. That's extremely interesting. Yeah. I wonder if the um, also just the screech, the sounds in general, if that was something that sounds like what a wendigo would sound like mm -hmm. if it weren't mimicking somebody's voice yeah uh, i hope i never find out <laughs> I didn't wanna... yeah um there's another article and we won't get into it this would be like an ideal part two okay. for wendigos part two. but <laughs> this article is called incursion into wendigo, wendigo territory by jackson efflin of ball state university hmm. and the whole this was a super interesting article in that it talked about the Wendigo um, whole, that whole body of stories as being something um, colonial proof, meaning that the Wendigo sort of was serving as a story of dread that no matter how the story gets told, resists the colonizers coming in and vanquishing the Wendigo. Hmm. You never see that. Nobody survives. Interesting. So it being almost like a bulletproof story. Yeah. Even though the Native American is terrified of it, doesn't want to be it. Sure. Will do anything to avoid it, even kill somebody preemptively. Right. With <laughs> it also resists like, you know, the, the colonizer coming in and saying, Oh, you silly boy, there's nothing to this Wendigo stuff. Mm -hmm. We'll show you, <laughs> but it never works that way. Right. And, the, and the, to this day, that is, the stories haven't been eradicated, even with enlightenment ideas and so forth, kind of holding sway. Interesting. I'm sure I, I'm not saying nearly everything that he has to say, but that's huh. that would be the source of a good continuing yeah. conversation. Yeah. I think this would be a cool uh, STM movie at some point. Yeah. We're heading up into the subarctic north. 
Yeah. With plenty of food. With plenty of food <laughs> and warm clothes. And warm I don't clothes. like being cold. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it right there for now. And uh, if there's anything that you would like to communicate to us, please write the show. Mm-hmm. We love mail. Yes. And uh, so you can write us at monstropolismail at gmail.com. Yay. Catch us on all of the uh, socials and so forth. S T M B B B N B B S basketball. That's probably what I was thinking. S T M basketball network. Watch it. All right. Have a good one. We'll be back.